0: You know, people categorize emotion as negative and positive, which I don't think that's true. I think that you just have freaking emotions. But every emotion is useful. Every emotion can have purpose if you want it to. There's no, like, written rule that says that you can't be sad and productive at the same time. Being productive is a choice. Being sad isn't always a choice. (laughs) Or welcome to Embrace Yours Truly. This is a podcast designed to help you nurture yourself. Knowing so, let's get into it. People adapt to your behavior, not to you. Think about all the relationships you've ever had outside of your family. Think about why did those relationships end? Why are you still in those relationships? Or why has the relationship grown to be what it is today? This comes down to what each person did. In the relationship, how each person chose to behave while navigating this relationship. But here's the thing people neglect the fact that behavior is a byproduct of emotion. Let's look at it like this How do you show up to work every day? What are the feelings that you have when you go to work? Are you excited? Are you inspired? Maybe you don't want to go to work. Maybe you dread the day. Do you tend to be tired? You roll up to work. Maybe the thought of work overwhelms you. Whatever it is that you feel is going to reflect what you do throughout the day. Essentially, how productive you are and how focused you are on what you are supposed to be doing. I think an even better way to look at this is by paying attention to how you tend to feel when you get home from work. I think a lot of people go home and are just exhausted from the day. Get stuck on the things that they didn't do. Feel overwhelmed by all the things that happened throughout the day might define it as being stressed, being tired. And like I said, whatever it is that you felt directly affects how you showed up to the day, how you showed up to the people that you interacted with or chose to not interact with. Now, regardless of how you felt, what ends up happening over time is you start building a behavior portfolio of yourself. And with this behavior portfolio, people go to it to reference how they think you're going to show up. No, you might think that last Tuesday you were just having a bad day. That you just weren't really feeling like getting on the phone and talking to a customer. That you just didn't really feel like reviewing the things that your organization met about last week. That you just weren't really feeling like attending to your partner's needs that day. <laughs> I hope this is all coming into focus for you. Regardless of how you feel, people adapt to your behavior. They don't adapt to you. This is where the lines of reality and perception get very blurred for the individual. Let's say that you're finally having a good day and you want to hit somebody up who you feel like you have a good relationship with and they either don't respond to you or in some way they say no. They don't want to hang out with you. And before you go internalize their no as a you thing, think back to the past week. What have you been doing that shows that you actually care about hanging out with them? That's the thing, we're so unaware of how our emotions drive our behavior that we're blind to how it affects the relationships that we have in our life. We're blind to how it affects how we show up to our life. That's why people start to internalize rejection or conflict as a you thing. As humans, this makes us go into self-defeat mode. Why me? Why is this happening to me? I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. This is a thinking pattern that we go to when we don't like the response of other people. But it's because our perception and our reality don't align. The reality of it is, when we are consumed by what people would refer to as negative emotion, we aren't productive. We're not loving, we're not compassionate, and we don't show grace. And I'm going to be real for a second. You're probably being a dick to the people in your life. And that doesn't only come from... What you say to somebody, it comes from what you don't do or from what you do do in relation to other people. And the logic behind the person that tends to go into this harmful thought cycle is that they get stuck on why relationships started in the first place, right? Because relationships do tend to start because of your appearance, because of your beliefs, obviously proximity, what you know, what you like, what you're into, right? When you meet somebody, you have a feeling, you have a thought that says pursue don't pursue. And if you do pursue the relationship, the decision is made based on an emotional feeling that you have. I feel drawn to you. I feel attracted to you. I feel connected to you. I like you. But people change their perception of you based on what you do, right? Attraction, I've talked about this before. Attraction only goes so far. Over time, once you get to know somebody, they can become less attractive to you based on what they do, Or vice versa. Somebody can be not very attractive and become more attractive to you based on what they do. Perception changes of how somebody sees somebody else based on what they continuously show. Right? You spend a day with somebody, you spend a week with somebody, then you spend a month with them, maybe even six months with them. You see that person differently. Maybe that person's very critical. Maybe they're lazy bossy, mean. You put a label on it and that's how you see them until they give you a reason to see them as something else. And the only way you can change that is by behaving differently. I've read somewhere that we have over 400 emotional experiences in a day. If this is true, which I don't know if it's true, but I'm choosing to believe that it's probably true, it makes sense why emotions run the world. This is why it's so important for you to understand. That people don't remember what you say. People remember how you made them feel. But here's the kicker, man. We are so uncomfortable with feelings. Like, we're awkward. We are very awkward in showing up to our feelings. Let me give you an example. If you're currently in school, I want you to think about a class that you're, like, super fucking awkward in. If you're not currently in school, I want you to think back to a class that you were super fucking awkward in. Okay? Whatever your reason was for why that was the case, like, you keep that to you. Now think about a time that you wanted to ask a question. Either you were genuinely interested in the subject matter, or you just, like, really didn't understand what the hell was going on. Where you are just like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know what is happening. And that bothers you, right? Not knowing bothers you, but also not asking the question bothers you. And because you want to ask the question, you start to think about it. You start to stew in it. Like, ah, if I ask the question, like, I'm going to be embarrassed. Like, ah, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good at, like, public speaking. I don't want to raise my hand. Nobody ever raises their hand in this class. The whole time you're rationalizing as to why you're not asking this question, nobody is judging you like you are judging yourself. The only person who probably has any type of perception of you at that moment is the professor. The professor is probably getting feedback from you that you're not listening, that you're not engaged. And that you can't be bothered right then. Which was probably true. Because as you're thinking the thoughts that you're thinking in your head. You don't hear anything that is said from the professor. After you realize that you had a question. That you didn't have the courage to ask. Okay. Let's go a different direction with this. I'd put money on it. That you've gone a full day being sad as fuck. But to every person that asks you how you are. You say that you're fine. And I mean, I go, I go a couple different directions with this as to why we do this. First off, one, I think that we're terrified to actually admit that we're sad about something, that the thing that we're sad about made us sad. Another direction. I think we consciously or unconsciously want people to see that we're not okay. And I think it's because we deny ourselves the option of actually feeling the emotion. And I want to talk about this last one. When you deny yourself the opportunity to feel the emotion, to actually be with the emotion, you deny yourself the opportunity to be okay feeling that emotion. It's the craziest thing, right? We can go the entire day feeling it, but we ignore it the entire day. Why do that? Show up to it. Figure out the root of what it is that you're feeling. Maybe it's not even sadness, maybe it's something deeper, maybe it's something much more simple. But when you stop ignoring the emotion, really, really good things happen. Here's something to think about. You know, people categorize emotion as negative and positive, which I don't think that's true. I think that you just have freaking emotions. But every emotion is useful. Every emotion can have purpose if you want it to. There's no, like, written rule that says that you can't be sad and productive at the same time. Being productive is a choice. Being sad isn't always a choice. You can be upset the entire day. That is okay, as long as you allow yourself to be okay with it. Doesn't mean that you can't still be giving. Doesn't mean that you can't still be available to people. And shit, I'll go up one more real-life level with this. You limit your gift when you don't regulate your emotions. Like I know you know the stories of people that were like so good at whatever, but they didn't pursue it because life happened, right? No, life didn't happen. Their emotion happened. Their emotion blocked them from pursuing what they were good at, whether it's basketball, singing, graphic design, running, whatever it is, it's normally not the lack of ability that stops a person from attaining. It's the inability to concentrate in emotional turmoil. And for clarity, emotional turmoil isn't only when we're down, it's when we're high too. Like you do have to pull in the reins when you're overly excited and you have to be in a content place. This especially happens when you perform. You can't be too high, too low. You got to know where your level is of where you best perform. This is why developing emotional intelligence is so important. It's this massive awareness of life that people miss out on. It's truly getting a hold of what you think emotions make you do. Emotion isn't a choice, though. Behavior is. Right people, including you, including me, blame their emotion for why they did what they did. When you get angry, what do you do? You yell. You punch shit. You start to demean other people. You start to blame people for what you did. (laughs) It's one of my favorites, right? The awareness of that. When you're celebrating something because you're happy... And you overdrink and then you do dumb shit. It's an awareness piece to that. Another thing emotional intelligence allows you to understand is that not everything you feel should be shared with other people. Even if other people are involved in what you are feeling, sometimes it has to be a you and you thing first. When you're excited, when you're angry, when you're upset, you sit with that first. And I say that because all too often, other people get the wrath of what we are going through internally, and it's so, so unfair. That's why we lose partnerships. That's why you get fired. (laughs) That's why people walk out of your life. Because it's not what you say. It's how you made them feel. Let me give you this example. I'm in school right now, right? I'm doing my master's studies. And... What I did not realize when I went back to school was that I was going to have to work in groups. I have had a handful of classes where the final project is a group project. It's a lovely, scary, frightening, anxious feeling. I think most people would say they don't like group projects, right? There's a lot of factors in this that pull out emotion, right? So... This group project was a research paper that we had to do. And, you know, as a group, we started to look at all the sections of the paper, what it was going to take, what the timeline was, what was due when, going through all the breakdown things, right? And we started to split things up of who was going to do what. And as we're going through this, there are some sections that I'm like, fuck I should not be responsible for that because I'm not good at that, right? And for the most part, I'm fairly vocal on how to structure things and whatever, whatever. Who's responsible for what? Like, I'm fairly good at that. I'm fairly communicative. But when I saw these sections that were just, like, popping out at me, I was like, fuck, like, I can't do that. And I had to stop and remind myself, like, this is a group project for a reason, Group project doesn't mean Jordan gets this percent, so-and-so gets this percent, so-and-so gets this percent. No, it's all five of us, all of our names on it, that get one final grade. And I had to be honest with myself. Is this the time to experiment with things that you don't know? Or is this something that you need to pass on to somebody else? And what it came down to for me was like, this is a time-based project. This is a very collaborative paper that demands each person's personal best, I had to let my group know that, hey, I'm not very good at this section, so I do not feel confident in being responsible for that. But I am confident in this, 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 and this section, right? I had to be honest. If anybody else has confidence in this, like, hey, more power to you. This is all you. And that's all it took. It was a two-second conversation, That honestly took less courage and humility than I thought it was going to. Me showing up to this oh shit moment truly gave me the opportunity to say, all right, this is real. This is happening. And then communicate it in a way that didn't necessarily show what I was actually feeling. And it allowed me to stay locked in to the task at hand with a language that was understood by everybody. Right? I didn't make it about me. And it's also not a matter of me shitting on myself. Like, oh yeah, I'm no good at that. I've never been good at that. I'm never going to be good at that. No, it was just an understanding with myself that, hey, it's not the time to experiment when you're working with a group, right? It's not the time to prove anything. You don't have to prove that you're good at something when you know that you're freaking not. It's not the time for that. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Over the next three days, let's say, I want you to ask, four people that you interact with daily, and yes, one of these four people will need to be you, what they think about you. If they say, I don't know, ask again. Keep asking in different ways until they actually give you an answer, and then write it down. Then I want you to take a notebook with you, or use your notes on your phone, whatever works for you. And as often as possible, I want you to track what you feel And when you feel it. Meaning, what's happening when you start to feel what you feel? What's the event? Who are you around? What time of day is it? Write it down. And I want you to do this for three days. 72 hours. Not even. More so, like, 24 hours. Right? Eight hours, essentially, a day. And I want you to pay attention to what emotion you tend to feel the most throughout the day. I think that they're both going to be fun exercises for yourself. I know there may be a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiousness around the involvement of other people, really asking for their opinion of you. But this is just all information that you can gather to look at your perception of self currently and how that aligns with the reality of what's happening outside of self. Good luck. Have fun. And remember that you're doing this. Because the most important relationship in your life is the one that you have with yourself.